Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, there's nothing like relaxing with a quarter pounder and a shake while you watch your shorts go through the spin cycle. Here to provide analysis for that line and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Oh, James B., I'm a little worn, a little wary, but podcasting always lifts my mood so very much and, you know, getting the chance to talk to you. I, I'm not sure if I a quarter pounder and a shake would do me a lot of good, but maybe. I was really into strawberry shakes and Burger King a couple of years ago, but not so much lately. <laughs> Speaking of uh, lately, we're about to start some new books, but we're going to give a quick summary. You want to help me out with this? Last time we saw the Black Cat, she had committed a bunch of crimes stealing love-themed objects, culminating in her presenting these stolen objects to Spider-Man as a token of her love. Also recently in our podcast, uh, Deb Whitman, uh, she's with Biff Rifkin, and Peter's last love interest was a shape-changing villain. And Eddie, last issue, uh, Peter saved Fool Killer from killing himself. Uh, will there be any continuity in this issue? We'll find out as today's book begins where Spidey decided the sly cat needed to go. From March of 1982, Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider-Man 226, But the Cat Came Back, by Stern, Romita Jr., and Mooney. Quickly putting her portly nurse's arm into a lock, Felicia Harding slips out of the Mitchell State Hospital past Greg Salinger, the fool killer, who's being admitted still screaming for his own foolish death. Ah! As a reminder, Felicia, she has this beautiful long silver hair. Uh, she usually in her black cat outfit, probably a velvet suit, rather tight-fitting, uh, and very slender when moving around with all the moxie she always does. <laughs> Eddie, two major things happen at the start of the story. First, the nurse is upset because there are no Snickers and only Milky Way candy bars. Eddie, I do appreciate references to my beloved Milky Ways in my Amazing Spider-Man books, but this seems to be a slight against my favorite candy bar. I had to bring that up. Secondly, we have a huge confession from the Black Cat. I believe she was in love, and this is a retcon that she was faking this whole thing with the statuettes and stuff. Do you think this was planned in advance, that she was not in love with him, or do you think this is a retcon like I do? I knew a Milky Way wouldn't slip by you. I, I, I'm not sure if this is a retcon, but it makes perfect sense for the Black Cat because I think she is so incredibly clever. So the idea that she tricked Spider-Man into thinking she was crazy at the end of the previous book, uh -huh. is she says it many times here and in the past. Jail doesn't look good on her, so very reasonable. Maybe not okay. purposely done, though. Yeah, I'm going to take the other side and say this is a complete retcon. I think the original writer, which is Micheline, he ends his book with, like, she's in love with Spider-Man. And I think along comes, you know, Roger Stern. And he's like, hmm, I want to do something completely different. It's been, whatever, almost two years. And I think he just changes the whole story. Really good change. Like you said, very believable. But I'm going to stick to it that this was a complete retcon. But uh, you let us know... Uh, the rest of the story, I'll see if there's any other problems I have. Across town, Gene DeWolf lets Spider-Man know that the Black Cat has escaped the hospital as Spidey swings off, wondering how crazy the Black Cat really is. Yeah, quick reminder to new listeners, Gene DeWolf, New York police chief that uh, I really enjoy. She wears a skirt and heels, a beret. Unfortunately, she smokes. But she's tough and feminine, so, you know, what do you expect? Well, one week later... 
The black cat returns to form. She liberates a painting. From a Mr. Bradshaw in original Irish. But such an easy heist bores her, and we see both Felicia and Peter head to the laundromat looking for love, but failing to find it. Felicia realizes Spider-Man is the only one for her and pays a plane to write... Spider-Man, meet me at our first date in the sky. Spidey obliges. Yeah, by the way, you said that Felicia and Peter head to the laundromat. They don't go, like, together. Yes. Both, <laughs> like a thing from Greece. There's, like, two different people going there, like, you know, parallel storylines. Felicia, when she goes there, wears a wig, so she doesn't have her, like, silver hair That since she's the only character in the MCU that looks like Felicia Hardy. She does talk to another guy named Jack Allen. I only mention it because they wouldn't be like, hello, I'm Jack Allen, an investment broker, unless they need him, and Roger Stern has some other plans from him. So, I don't know. Interesting point, James B. Returning to one of the seamier neighborhoods in New York. This is where the pair had their first date. The cat flirtatiously tangles with Spidey, and when she can't convince him to go steady with her, she tries to convince him she'll go straight for him and give up her thieving career. When that doesn't work, she slips away and in an act of sincerity leaves the recently stolen painting for Spidey to find along with an invite to a date at a Magia costume party the next night. Felicia is also being cast here in a Robin Hood light, claiming only to have stolen from robber barons and Magia crime bosses. Yeah, the Magia being like the mafia of the the Spider-Man comics. Uh, Like so many wrestlers... When the fans love a heel, the writers create a face. So, you know, Eddie, I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about from wrestling because you're a big wrestling fan. Not at all. Oh, it just means if some if the fans really love a bad guy so much that they're cheering for the bad guy all the time, they just make him a good guy. Oh. That's all. Speaking of which, Eddie, uh, I'm sure you know many Marvel superheroes who started off as villains. So a uh, quick little game called Eddie Names Heroes Who Started Off as Villains. I should really read over your show notes a little more clearly, James B., so I have a better chance to figure this out. <laughs> so let's just help you out a little bit. I'm going to give you big, big nudges here, okay? Okay. Okay, so we're talking, let's think about people in, have you seen Avengers Endgame? Yes. Okay, so there are lots of people in the Avengers Endgame movie, specifically people who are associated with the Avengers in some way, I can think of like four in the movie who were villains in the comics and then turned to be heroes. You want to just get like one or two and then we can. Avengers Endgame. I was already thinking one. I, I was thinking of the uh, the Prowler from our book reading. That's where I, sure. you know, sure. okay. always well, have my thoughts. Prowler, not not in the Avengers Endgame no, movie. No, I so know, that's true. Not, not an Avenger that I'm aware no. of. No. Um, <laughs> but... If he does ever become a hero, that's the kind of person that would go from it. That's exactly what we're looking yeah, for. Yeah, he was the I'm thinking people who were, these people were actually villain villains who became like heroes at some point. So, yep. <laughs> we'll pretend this only took like 10 seconds, even though I have to edit out like a couple minutes here. I'll just give, I'll just give you a couple and then you'll be ready for the next I'm one. I'm ready, Steve. Okay. 
you know, but uh, like Hawkeye was a villain. Oh, that's true. Scarlet Witch oh. was a villain. Okay. Absolutely. Gotcha. She, she was a, she worked for Magneto. Um oh. I, you could say Ant-Man was a criminal if you'd wanted. That's sort of part of his storyline. All as right. Well. All right. It's just I I think the Black Widow might have been a villain once a upon spy. a time. She was good. Okay. Yeah, she, I think she was converted over. I mean, Quicksilver was also a villain. There's, there's a number of them that. So it's not, it's not unreasonable to think that Felicia Harding could. Uh, Venom, by the way, who we haven't met yet, officially. But if you saw the you know, Venom yes. is like a villain who becomes a good guy. There's, there's a lot of opportunities for people to change sides. <laughs> so just a couple. But that's right. Maybe, maybe we'll edit this out so you don't seem so, unknowledgeable. Eddie names heroes who started off as villains. That's a, it's not your fault. These you talk Spider-Man things. That was your games are always so tricky, James B. Well, Spidey, back to Spidey, heads to his bestie Jean DeWolf and asks her to seek a pardon for the black cat using the evidence of her return painting that she will indeed go straight. As Jean DeWolf rejects but also contemplates her options, Spidey heads to the costume party dressed as A Jawa from Star Wars. This is a super fun costume party, James B. I love these galas. I love these get-togethers. Except for J. Jonah and the, the tuna and the caviar, this couldn't be much better. So this is great. Predictably, Felicia's looking around for Spider-Man, and then she goes in for the kiss, and it's just a fatter, older guy in a costume. She almost kisses him, by the way. Her, her powers are observation not as good as I hoped for. Uh, Felicia mocks Bradshaw at the party, forcing Spidey and the cat into action. The Magia open fire. And although Spidey has to look out for the black cat during the battle, the pair mop up the Magia, and as Gene DeWolf arrives, the two heroes kiss above the scene in the moonlight. It's a happy ending. Yeah, I was very happy with this book. I was a little surprised that Felicia overpowered the large nurse so easily, but I really enjoyed the black cat making the effort to go straight and Spider-Man making the effort to discuss it with Gene DeWolf. And I really enjoyed that. There are no other characters in the book. They referenced Marvel Tamp 114. They had a tie-in with Fool Killer. So that was pretty good. But The Amazing Spider-Man 226, Eddie, this was a top-notch book. It was great for so all those reasons. And I really appreciated the character development we get from Spider-Man here, seeing him grapple with this idea that the cat is good, but she's also bad, and I, I like the cat even more for that reason. The writing and illustrations, if you look at, you know, pages 14 and 15, where really this is fighting, but super flirtatious fighting, like, now you want to talk? Fine, I'm all ears, but I'm still going to be holding on tight. And Felicia goes, hmm, actually, I don't mind that as long as you're gentle. <laughs> it's just, it's it's fantastic to see how she disarms Spider-Man at every turn. You know, silly you. <laughs> Wonderful. So, and Eddie, very happy. You mentioned the illustrations here by Romita Jr. and Mooney. And I this might be obvious to you, and I'm not picking on you, but do you understand that Romita Jr. is the son of the John Romita who wrote those was the second illustrator on Spider-Man? Did you know I, that? I did understand that. I was, what a family lineage is all I can say. Yeah, and Romita Jr.'s art is picking up quickly. He's going to be, you know, really popular. He's one of those people you would line up to see at a at a con, I'm sure. 
if Sarah or uh, Kevin were here, they would explain that to us, like what, what goes on at those things. Uh, you ready for the next book? Absolutely. All right, we got to wrap this story up. From April of 1982, Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 227, Going Straight. Once again by Stern, Renita Jr., and Mooney. Spidey's mad. On the second page of this book, now you can correct me if I'm wrong here, James B., but there's a new way, or newish way, that Spidey is depicted moving around. It's like an almost full page, and they have Spidey almost like he's in his old bleached costume, you know, that he had not too long ago. But he's swinging between flagpoles that are both vertical and horizontal, and it really depicts how he is moving from, like, one location in six or seven different ways pretty clearly. It's great. I really like it. Thank you, John Romita Jr. Getting back to our story, though, the, the Bugle has run its first headline casting Spidey in a positive light, but there is no mention of the black cat helping Spidey. When Spidey confronts DeVolf, she tells him he can't be linked to a wanted felon. Unsatisfied, he swings off as DeWolf calls the DA. Yeah, like we talked about recently, great writing from Roger Stern, great artwork from John Romita Jr. and Mooney. Yeah, you can just tell us to give me a good story, so please continue, Eddie. Soon after, Spidey pops into Felicia's luxury apartment. There. Felicia attempts to convince Spidey to help her steal a statuette. The result is instant anger from our hero. But she quells his temper and chortles a happy song as he swings away. At ESU, Marcy Kane and Deb Whitman notice the also chortling Peter has extra pep in his step. So much pep that he completes a midterm paper in two hours for Dr. Sloan. The book reads now like a Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, with Peter referencing... Uh, possible dates, past loves. This includes Marcy Kane and Deborah Whitman, who you just mentioned, who were in the book. The setup here reads kind of like the opposite of a West Side Story or Romeo and Juliet, because we have optimistic lovers who aren't going to work out because neither is going to change. Agreed. That evening, when Spidey doesn't find his new lady friend at her apartment, he finds her stealing the statuette she had talked about earlier. Spidey forces her to put the stolen artifact back. The cat tricks Spidey by framing him as her accomplice because she believes no one will ever believe she could go straight. When the Magia boss and his gang light the place up, Spidey is focused on saving the cat and a bullet grazes his leg. This doesn't stop him from webbing up the goons, but slows his chase after Felicia, who is determined to get away. Yeah, Eddie... The Magia boss apparently bought this statuette legitimately, but was stolen money, according to Spider-Man. So Roger Stern here, Eddie, the way they're doing this is he wants to walk the fine line of how Spider-Man can fight these guys. And you can be like, yeah, they're criminals. They're using stolen money. But like Felicia shouldn't rob them because they bought it legitimately. So they had to have a reason for this fight, but like it's the only fight in the whole book. I mean, you need to have a fight somewhere in a Spider-Man comic. But <laughs> I think the way they wrote this, though, I, I couldn't have done it any better. So uh, fabulous, fabulous writing. Well, just as it appears Felicia will slip away, Spidey webs her in a cocoon. But not wanting to be sent to the hospital or jail again, she chooses death by rolling off the pier and drowning in the Hudson. <laughs> Spidey dives into the water many times to try to find her and can't get her. 
Uh, Spidey can't find her in the river, and as DeWolf arrives, presenting Spidey with the papers, pardoning the black cat, Spidey sits forlorn. This feels very sad at the end, James B. Because it seems like bad decisions were made, but you know what they say, a tiger can't change its stripes, right? I guess so. It's it's very sad that the black cat has her perception as a, of herself as only a criminal and that the whole world will only ever perceive her as a criminal. Uh, in the scene where she's getting away from Spider-Man at the end or trying to, like she hops on a motorcycle and she's crying as she's riding the motorcycle. It's just very sad. Okay, she throws a civilian aside and steals his mo- motorcycle. Yes, but... I- I'm just saying it's not like she's like... She's making all bad decisions throughout the entire book, though. True, but the- it's understandable given the what she's trying to do, I guess, overall. She's she's trying to convince Spider-Man that she's a good person. Yeah, you're you're a black hat apologist, and I think that she is a, <laughs> a criminal reference. who has opportunities. And in in these issues of the Amazing Spider-Man, she's not taking her opportunities to be a good guy. I think she might have redemption later, but I, I guess so. I, her flirtatious attitude towards Spider-Man makes me also think about how young she actually is, and so she always comes across to me as very young woman and she's grappling so young, with all sorts of stuff so young that she has daddy issues <laughs> yes oh okay so maybe it was a retcon there you go mm, you're on my side now <laughs> let's stop worrying about the black cat and we'll talk about your wife for a minute and with our sponsor oh, eddie. great <laughs> eddie have you ever wanted to shop for something nice for your wife but you're not sure where to look yes james please Eddie, there's an app you can download. It's called Got Crime. I'll give you a moment to call it up if you want. I'm not sure if you have your phone here. You no, know, I don't. Don't, have to... I don't like to keep that too close by when I'm trying to concentrate. I ask, yeah, my phone is kind of far away too. All right, well, just trust me. It's, a, it's an easy to download app where you can download and listeners, you can be doing this right now. You can make a download of the app. You can locate stolen merchandise. Uh, you can see where it came from, who stole it, and just like Felicia Hardy, you can figure out if they'll be having like a costume party or a, a Maggie get together to have it on display, like in the in both of our books, apparently. One more time, that's Got Crime. It's from the same people who brought you the Marla Madison home security system. This app is available on the Google Play Store, uh, which I know you like, Eddie, iTunes, or wherever you get your apps. Eddie, we have a letter from one of our listeners. How wonderful. All right. This letter is from Hard at Work Nick. I don't know if you recognize that name. He's helped us out before with some little comments and letters and messages. Perhaps it's time for uh, an appearance maybe in the future. Good good point. Uh, (laughs) Eddie's officially extended you an offer, by the way. But actually, the problem with Hard at Work Nick (laughs) is he's a loyal listener, but he's like the furthest behind all the time. So oh. when he comments on us, I think he's about 40 episodes behind. I mean, we, you know, take your time. I'm not going anywhere. Hey, James B. and Eddie, I just wanted to write in and say how much I'm enjoying these Chris Claremont written Marvel team-up issues. I just listened to the episode about Marvel team-up 61 through 64, which is actually 40 episodes ago. 
which featured Super Skrull and then Iron Fist. I don't know about you guys, but I'm seeing an immediate difference between this writing style and the rest of the Spider-Man book writers. I know you guys, especially Eddie, expressed confusion with the guest stars and their complicated backstories. Yeah. <laughs> but I found they handled it nicely, giving the reader just enough context to get to the story. And I'm sure will hopefully entice readers to check out other books as well. Claremont's narration in particular is a step above other comic writers, in my opinion, in combination with Byrne's competent art. These Marvel team-ups have been quite enjoyable. And then it says at the end, love the show, guys, and let Eddie know that his daughter, Lily, did a great job with her summary. Heart at work, Nick. I will let her know. Thank you, Heart at work, Nick. Appreciate you writing in. Yeah, Eddie, people really like the uh, Chris Claremont books. Uh, I mean, I think his X-Men run everything from... You know, giant size X-Men one up until, I don't know, in probably the 160s or 170s. I really, I find that to be one of my favorite things of all time. Uh, so I understand it. Maybe the Marvel teams haven't quite hit us the same way yet. But, you know, we're, we treat our Spider-Man a little differently. And I appreciate that he recognizes how good Chris Claremont's done here. Overall, good books today, huh? Oh, such good books today, James B. I loved them both. Very good. Eddie, she's not dead, by the way. You know that, right? <laughs> what, she fell into the water. Why do we to save her? I'm so sad about her I dying. Think, I think there was a time when you would think she's dead, but I think now you realize no one, no one dies here. Only poor Uncle Ben. Uh, well, we will continue with The Amazing Spider-Man in two podcasts, but good news, James B. Peter doesn't stay heartbroken for long. Next pod, we are returning to Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, where we'll see a new lady enter Peter Parker's life. Uh, a brunette, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> no hints, James B. I'll, you're going to have to read and listen for it, okay? <laughs> and I finally get to see what happens to the Beetle and the Gibbon. Uh, no. You know, oh, those yeah. guys. Great. Uh, maybe DeWolf can pardon the Gibbon, too. So... <laughs> Eddie, if people want to comment on uh, either uh, Hard at Work Nick's letter or how these books were or want to agree or disagree with us on anything we talked about today, how could they reach us? You can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or you can message us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And I'm James B. joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you give Spider-Man a kiss, you're no longer a criminal. Goodbye. Goodbye. Eddie, we didn't talk very much about this this ending sad, but DeWolf coming up with papers to pardon the black cat. Incredible links to help Spider-Man. And I, I just, I, it seems not good, actually, for her character. That's, that's, you think, oh, you think DeWolf shouldn't be trying to get the black no, cat? No, I don't think so at all. Like, is this going to talk about, one of the points she makes is you shouldn't be associated with criminals. And I'm like, you're going through great lengths to pardon a person who has not committed just like one or two crimes, but like Many crimes. But she was very helpful and she didn't appear in the newspaper. So I think they recognized, you know, that she's doing good things. What's what's she really in for? Stealing some, some love statues and escaping from a mental hospital? Okay, all right. Maybe she's done some bad things. But 
It's a pardon. Spider-Man's vouching for her. If she does it again, they could always take the pardon away and arrest her again, right? I guess that's true. A pardon's not like a free pass. I I feel like like DeWolf, we've seen her hassled by so many of her contemporaries. I mean, if we think back to her father, who was incredibly mean to her, I think it was her brother who, who was like, wanted him to take over his job as police chief or investigator. And then DeWolf here, she, she gets the job and he's like, really mean to her about it. I don't know. She's always having trouble at work. She doesn't need any extra trouble bringing the black cat into her world. So Spidey tells her to stop smoking. You see that a couple of times. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> you know what I'm more worried about, James B? I wrote the painting name, the Eh Renrak. <laughs> and I said to myself, better look that up before you have to read that word. <laughs> you know what I didn't Did do, look- James B? <laughs> Uh, what's that, Eddie? I didn't look up how to say that painter's name at all before I read this summary. 